This week in Retronauts, you will pay the price for your lack of Coleco vision. And welcome to Retronauts episode 22 Pocket. I'm Jeremy Parrish. And I'm afraid <laughs> you're going to have to put up with me for another episode. But that's okay because here in the studio with me, we have such fine people as... Oh, Bob Mackey. Whoa. The original Cabbage Patch Kid. <laughs> Ray Barnholt, not a funny nickname. <laughs> and special guest star Chris Kohler. Damn. So this week we're going to talk about the ColecoVision which is um, actually a console that we've never really discussed in much depth on Retronauts. And I think part of the problem is because it's sort of old. I mean, we talk about old games, but... We didn't talk we... about it on Retronauts because it's an old game. Uh, to Let me finish. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. We talk about old games on Retronauts, but historically we have tended to have a sort of blind spot to anything before, say, 1985, and, you know, okay. that's because none of us are in our 40s and 50s. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff sort of predates uh-huh. us. But also in the case of ColecoVision, it was a very short-lived system. And that wasn't really the ColecoVision's fault. It was the victim of a much larger malaise that affected mm-hmm. the U.S. console industry about a year after it launched. So it was just uh, the victim of unfortunate timing. Um, but it was actually a very, very good system. So um, – there's not really that much to say about ColecoVision, which is why we're doing this as a pocket episode as opposed to a full episode because I'll be damned if I could talk for an hour and a half about ColecoVision. <laughs> but I well. can certainly talk for 30 minutes about it having actually owned a ColecoVision and an Atom. Um, that was – yeah, the ColecoVision was the first console my family ever owned and the Atom was the first computer we ever owned. And that's because – the video game industry collapsed. Yeah. And a couple of years after the collapse, oh. KB Toys was like, oh my God, we've still got these old game systems and this massive freaking computer. I mean, you could fit a Christmas tree <laughs> into the ColecoVision, the Coleco Atom expansion module box. Right. Yeah. I mean, honest to God, like that's what we used it for. We stored all of our Christmas ornaments and wrappings up in the uh, the, the attic of the garage in, it, in our Coleco Atom box because it was just... That massive. So I find that you funny. Know, after because uh, KB Toys has always been the go-to toy store for fifteen-year-old toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. They really wanted to get rid of them. Jeez. Uh, I mean, the, the thing was just massive. So you can yeah. imagine that they were like, oh, "We just got to get this out of here. Mm-hmm. Get it out. Of, get it out of our warehouse." So much like Guitar Hero, <laughs> a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much uh, we ended up paying for the Coleco Vision Atom set. Um, but I know that it was a lot less than the original $700 that the Atom retailed for. Yeah. Oops. Much, much less than that. It was probably like 150 bucks for the whole set because, you know, 1985, mm-hmm. it, was, it was ancient technology and there was no support for it. So, um, so yeah, that's my personal story. Mm-hmm. That's the end of this episode. No. I don't know um, if – yeah, I don't know if it were said this on a previous episode of Retronauts because it did happen a while ago. But it was, um, I don't know, like five, six, seven years ago. My dad went into a – I'd already moved out um, here. My dad went into a, a Goodwill in Connecticut, mm-hmm. you know, Coleco being, mm-hmm. of course, originally right. the Connecticut Coleco. leather company. Yeah. yeah. Um, and based in, I think, Hartford. Um, and so uh, went to a thr- uh, thrift store, went to a Goodwill, um, saw a couple 
couple, just two loose uh, Atom computers, just the base units. And he's like, oh, they're you know a couple bucks each. I'm going to buy these. And he brings them up to the cash register, and um, and he's and he's paying for them. And the uh, the woman is just like, oh, oh, there's something that that goes with these that I have to give you. It goes with these. <laughs> Box of Coleco games, like box of like half the Coleco Visions, uh-huh. you know, library and um, prototypes. And there were prototypes in the box. Yeah, so um, nice. that was a great deal. Oh yeah, total jackpot. Yahtzee. Yep. Oh boy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good times. So, uh, um, so obviously you've had some experience with the Coleco Vision. How about we'll say so? How about the other two? Right. Uh, uh, yeah, I I got a ColecoVision set off eBay, I think, when I was 15 or 16 when I was trying to pretend to be a better game collector than I really mm-hmm. was. And so I got this uh, set off eBay, 15 games, all the classics that I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, all the real well-known games, not just Donkey Kong, but stuff like Venture and Smurf and things. And so I had that for a few years along with the uh, Atari uh, module that uh, had that came with it. And, yeah, it was a nice little exploration for me as someone who was basically born when it came out. Uh, yeah, and mm. it got a little, I didn't keep the best care of it, so it's a little dirty now, but yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah it was all right. I have no experience with ColecoVision, I'm sorry. Right. My one right. experience with it is seeing it at a, a flea market when I was like 17 or 18, I was like, oh, it's ColecoVision or something, and the guy <laughs> yeah. behind the stack of garbage, really, he was really <laughs> mad, and he corrected yeah. me. He's like, it's ColecoVision. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not going to look at it now. So that's my experience with ColecoVision. Today, he's a Reginald's listener. Yeah. Just it's Connecticut leather, not Connecticut leather. Come on, people. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is true. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, so it should be... Coleco. Yeah, Coleco. But uh, one question. Uh, it was in television that had the celebrity spokespeople, right? Like Bill yes. Cosby and George Plimpton, not ColecoVision. And uh, and William Shatner was the Vic-20. Okay. But no, ColecoVision just went out of the power of Coleco Leather. Wow. Corinthian no, Letter. No Connecticut Corinthian celebrities letter, yes. for them. <laughs> it originally meant Connecticut Letter. <laughs> and and Cabbage Patch Kids. Uh, <laughs> um, that tickled me. So anyway, yeah. the ColecoVision... I think you could make a case for it being the first ever next-gen console. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. you had the Atari, okay. the Atari 2600 launched in 1977, mm-hmm. and the Intellivision launched in 80? 82. I no, just, no. Oh. I think Intellivision was, 19, was, was 80. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it was, it was a more powerful system. It was actually 16-bit mm-hmm. compared to the uh, Atari 2600's, like, 2-bit processor or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> I think it was 8-bit. It, it, it was 8-bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, like, in terms of actual, you know, graphical quality, the Intellivision wasn't that much better. I mean, it was like their stick dudes versus our stick dudes. No, uh, it had no. It had a frame buffer. You yeah, could do but so I mean, much more complicated uh, stuff could, on the Intellivision but, screen. But, like, in, in ter- okay, so it was better. In terms it was of, better. It was better, yes. But to me, it was like the difference between, say, the... Uh, PlayStation 2 and the Xbox. Like, they're pretty much on par, but, you know, one one system's more powerful than the other, but you're still having very similar experiences. I think this is kind of historical blinders. I think, you know what it is? So much time has passed that, like, these things are kind of shoved, they, they get closer and closer together. I'm, I'm actually looking at it from the perspective it's like, of... It's like five billion years ago versus six billion years ago, and it's like, <laughs> it was the same thing. It was like a billion years have passed. No, it, it, at, the, at the time yeah, at when the that time. was all it was, the time, it was sure. a pretty big, there was a pretty big leap. But I mean, but I, I still, understand what I still you're played, saying. like, 2,600 games as a kid, and I played mm-hmm. in television games as a kid and I didn't think I think oh, yeah. television is just blowing Atari away like they're same they're they were same both generation. really cool they're to the me. same generation right. but one of them is just it's yeah but I mean Coleco with the ColecoVision introduced like genuine improvements it was running on a Z80 mm-hmm. processor which you know that's that's kind of like 
a gold standard of the industry. Yeah. Um, it had tile-based sprites with lots of colors to them, you know, multiple colors. Um, it could move more at a time. It they had could make just, arcade. They could make games that looked a lot right. like the arcade games. At I the mean, time. kind of the the early '80s litmus test for a console is the Donkey Kong test, mm-hmm. and by far, you know, at the time in 1982, that version of Donkey Kong was the best <laughs> looking version of Donkey Kong that yep. anyone had ever seen. It was missing a row of the girders, so mm-hmm. Donkey Kong was on the wrong and side. And they redrew everything. Yeah, you know, so it, it it was sort of a it was a facsimile, but it wasn't like it wasn't like NES it, no, Donkey Kong. No, I mean, NES, Donkey Kong, I mean, right, NES yeah. Donkey Kong was very authentic. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas this was just like the best forgery that money could buy. Yeah. Yep. But it was it was a much better forgery than anyone else's forgery mm-hmm. by far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're right. Okay, that, if there's if there's a line, Atari and Intellivision both fall onto the side of like, no, you can't like, do Donkey. Here's Kong. Donkey yeah. Blob. Yeah. He's Whereas like ColecoVision was Donkey Kong, and he was uh, Donkey Kong was green in the Intellivision yeah. version. Green. I've oh, seen so it's I've Crazy seen, Kong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen Monkey, Monkey Donkey. Donkey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Monkey Donkey. I've, I've seen the uh, I've seen the, the like the revamped Intellivision version that was done with Homebrew. Oh yeah. Yeah, really nice. It is. Like, you know, going back and applying modern sensibilities and, and sophistication also, to yeah. that old hardware. You can do really great stuff with Also it, being but, able to, like, put more memory on the cartridge because right. the cost of it is so right. much lower today. Absolutely. But, yeah. But, you know, the, the you could probably do You could probably do a really nice Donkey Kong on the 20s. I mean, you know, we've we've seen the uh, Chris Spry's Super Mario Brothers Princess Rescue for Atari yeah. 2600, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, that looks great. He could probably do a great Donkey Kong, too. Yeah. But, you know, at the time... The ColecoVision really felt like a big jump over what you know what the previous consoles that had come before. Yeah. Um, so it was it was you know a pretty amazing machine. It yep. had it had a pretty amazing cost to go alongside it. It was the Neo Geo of its day. It was. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, for that kind of power, mm-hmm. my God. Do do does Prime Rib cost more than Squirrel Burgers? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Yeah, but um, you know, such was the uh, ColecoVision's power that the next wave of consoles, which came from Japan, were actually very closely based on its architecture. The SG one thousand from Sega and the MSX both had um, an architecture that was extremely similar to the ColecoVision's. I believe the TI ninety nine four A home computer was kind of based around a similar chipset to uh, to those systems and the ColecoVision. ZA and uh, yep, even and the Game then, Boy. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, Nintendo actually used the ColecoVision specs as sort of their jumping off point to make the NES or the Famicom even better. So, you know, ColecoVision was really this kind of like the the first step. It was it was maybe the Dreamcast of its day. Like it took this step into yeah. uh, this next generation space a little too early and it got mm. cut off at the knees for it. Yeah. But my God, like for that brief time, it was it was truly something special. It seems like it was pretty moderately priced too. I'm looking in. I guess it, the original retail price was 175, which is like 400 dollars today. Oh, really? Yeah, it was and, more expensive. And that, that surprised me, you know, just because True. of the, the cost of some of these things in 1980s dollars. Right, you know? but at the time, what did an Atari 2600 cost? I think is the, mm. the question. What's the comparison? Probably like 99. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. So um, the uh, ColecoVision was a passion project by uh, Coleco CEO Arnold Greenberg. You know, the, the company had been into textiles for a long time and mm-hmm. then kind of ventured out into toys. But because of the video games boom uh, that was yeah. coming to an end at the time that the ColecoVision launched, he really wanted to get into that space. You know, Mattel had already gotten there. As with did the a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it was not unheard of for toy companies to make their own video game system. That was just what everyone was doing back mm-hmm. then. Um, 
but you know, he he definitely took it to the next level, uh, the next step of of hardware sophistication, and made a really you know had his engineers create a really great piece of tech. Um, the uh, the system itself was cartridge based, you know, like you know w- that was pretty much de rigueur at the time, um, and it also the the controller design really reflects. The thinking of the time, which is that no one knew what they were supposed to do with the controller, <laughs> yeah. so uh, the controller kind of sucks. I, I I never even liked it at the time, but you know, when your jumping off point is a telephone, I mean, something something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, the controller was oblong. You held it in in one hand and used the joystick with your other hand. It wasn't yeah. you know like a thumb pad, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't like the Atari joystick either, which was a square where the base sat entirely in your hand. Like 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 Ray said, you kind of held it like a telephone, mm-hmm. and um, the the joystick was this little knob. It was like a mushroom, mm-hmm. uh, and then on either side of that, there were buttons. They were really spongy, and I I don't think they had separate functions, did they? They were both like the think, same yeah. function. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and then at the bottom two thirds of the controller was a numeric keypad, which was really hard to press and to mm. make use of in the games themselves. Yeah. It was more for picking options at the beginning of games, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, was kind of like it was thinking derived from the of television. Like, I think. Oh, we'll we'll put this whole keypad in because you know games are gonna get so much more complicated and you're gonna need more inputs and but then Nobody really ever used it because it was so difficult to – because the games were mostly just sort of fast action games. Yeah, like you don't want to fumble around on a keypad and be like, oh, hit five. Right. I think there were some RPGs that – like proto-RPGs that that made use of it. Sure. But, you know, a lot of that was like the Odyssey 2 with its membrane keyboard Mm -hmm. and the ColecoVision with the number pad. It was trying to like get parents to buy it by making them think that it was a more complicated computing device than Mm -hmm. it it actually was. Right. Yeah. Even Atari brought out a you know a number pad for the twenty six hundred after after those, those consoles <laughs> came out. Yeah, but because the um, because the hardware was so powerful, even if the controller sucked, it could do some really pretty impressive conversions of, of arcade titles. Yeah, and that was kind of the jumping off point. Uh, Donkey Kong was the pack in, and yes, that was a big big deal. Yes, I mean it was. Donkey Kong at this point was nineteen eighty two. It was a year old, so it was still like the new hotness, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, getting getting the lock on that as as a, the pack in was you know that was that was really uh, a great way for them to show off like here's what our system can do and oh by mm-hmm. the way the hottest game we got it right well, in the box. So Nintendo of America existed at this point, um, but was pretty much just a distributor of arcade games. I think they were selling game and watches um, mm-hmm. by themselves at this point. Maybe I know that originally the first line of game and watch was um, was distributed in the U.S. and I only just found this out by uh, Mego, um, the you know the action figure company oh, you know, yeah? for their their twelve inch you know superhero figures. Yeah, uh, they called them Time Out, and basically it still said All Nintendo right. on them, but they just swapped out the logo and called it Time Out Games. Hmm. And they sold them here. The first like ball. And uh, Fireman and that that kind of stuff. I did not realize that. Yeah, and then Nintendo picked up distribution of Game and Watch under the Game and Watch name pretty quickly after that first run. But I think at this point they weren't really a they were not a consumer company very much. They were pretty much an arcade distributor. Mm-hmm. So they went to Coleco, and Coleco made the very you know the the home versions of their games. But, you know, like everyone had Donkey Kong at this point. It's mm-hmm. just that Coleco's, you know, Coleco's was the best Donkey Kong, like we said before. Yeah. Wait. Actually, that's a good question. Did they release – because Coleco did put out Donkey Kong on the Atari. And this was, right, the, the weirdness of the of the first-party, third-party system at this time is that, like, they owned their own hardware 
uh, but then they put out Donkey Kong on the Atari. Oh, was, and was it, Coleco that responsible? Was Coleco. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they published on, and then Atari published on the ColecoVision. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Every, it, everybody was just, nobody had any idea what they were doing. Um, Very 70s, kind of like a key party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, Coleco did those those versions, um, and... Uh, um, there was there was always this uh, there's this conspiracy theory that Coleco made the Atari 2600 version deliberately mm-hmm. bad to make ColecoVision look good. Not actually true. They nobody was nobody was that diabolical. It was actually Gary Kitchen uh, who did it. And um, oh, yeah. apparently, what had happened was uh, he was like at home. He was he was contracting at that point, making Donkey Kong for the Atari 2600, and he didn't think he could do uh, diagonal girders. He, he thought that because of the 2600, they all had to be straight, you know. And apparently somebody who was working for, uh, I think, Activision at the time was over his house. And he says, you know, if that was an Activision game, we would have diagonal girders. And uh, he was just like, fine. And then he, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he put his head to it and he created diagonal girders on the 2600. So, no, Coleco did not um, intentionally torpedo 2600 Donkey Kong to make theirs look better. But they did make it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, they they probably had like 2K of ROM to work in or something oh, ridiculous yeah. like that. Yeah, it was probably just a 4K game like everything else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do in that little amount of space. Right. The fact right, that exactly. the fact that video games actually ran on the Atari 2600 continues to be <laughs> something of a miracle. Yeah. Right. And right, you have yeah. to go back and really respect those people who managed to suffer through programming for that system. There was a huge financial incentive. Like Atari 2600 Pac-Man would have been a lot better if Todd Fry had 8K to work mm-hmm. with, but he had 4K. But the the financial incentive to make 4K games was so big because it mean it, it meant that you made like a couple extra dollars off mm-hmm. of every cartridge that you sold. It was it was a it could be a a a, a 10 million dollar decision, you know, to to go 4K versus 8K. If the game sold the same amount of copies. Right. Do yeah. we know if the Coleco version of Donkey Kong has all of the levels? Because the 2600 version has two levels. Only two. Um, NES uh, version has three. So long. Uh, so I, I'm wondering if this is arcade perfect. I, I don't think Coleco had, had say, Cement Factory. I think that the ColecoVision version had three levels, and I think that the Atom version had all four. I oh, could be but, well, that's the unreleased Atom version. Right. I don't think it ever actually officially came out. I think they added back in Cement Factory to the internet. Let's look this up. Yeah, <laughs> I I could have sworn I saw Donkey Kong for sale in in you know catalogs back back um, you know when I owned a ColecoVision and a Coleco Atom. Um, the games were still available through mail order mainly, and uh, the uh, the Atom games were actually really cool. They came in these little cardboard boxes that looked like arcade machines. Huh. So I remember getting Donkey Kong <laughs> Junior in the mail. And it came in like this tiny cardboard replica of Donkey Kong Jr. And it was oh, a cassette like inside. <laughs> and I could swear that the catalog um, that it came with, you know, uh, had Donkey Kong for Adam as an option to buy. But because, you know, the system came packed with the cartridge version of Donkey Kong, I was like, why would I want to do that? Hmm. I'd rather get something I'd never played before. So, uh, uh-huh. But you know, this is this is going off of memories that are almost my god, thirty years old. So, <laughs> don't quote me on this internet. But yeah, there there was a lot of debate over um, the the Adam version of Donkey Kong. But first, let's talk about the kerfluffle between Atari and Coleco that happened when uh, Coleco began releasing what are called expansion modules for the ColecoVision, and yes. the Atom was actually considered expansion module three. And the idea was just, you know, you had like a, an expansion port on the bottom of the system 
and you could plug in devices that would extend the uh, the power and the versatility and capabilities of the core Coleco Vision unit. And that was that was pretty common practice. Um, I mean, even Nintendo's NES, uh, even though nothing ever took advantage of it, it did have an expansion port on the bottom right. um, because, you know, they thought maybe we'll release the Famicom Disk yeah. System or something over here. Um, so they kind of left that option open for themselves. But Coleco actually, um, you know, they actually followed through on that and they made good on the the expansion uh, capabilities of the system. And expansion module number one was actually a device that allowed you to play Atari 2600 games on the ColecoVision. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that it like was an emulator or something. It was basically just an Atari 2600 <laughs> that used the ColecoVision as, as a pass-through to your television. So basically you were buying a, a um, an Atari 2600 that couldn't run without a ColecoVision. And Atari understandably wasn't super happy about this because all of a sudden the ColecoVision had the capability of playing basically everything except in television games. It could play the Coleco library and the Atari library. But the problem was that Atari didn't really have proprietary hardware. It was built with off-the-shelf parts. So there wasn't really anything legally that they could do about it. I mean, Mm. you know, once once Coleco reversed-engineered the Atari 2600 hardware, which didn't take that long, (laughs) um, I'm sure, you know, they suddenly had extended the versatility of their system and uh, made you know made the ColecoVision like if you want to play all the video games, this is the system you go for. So that was a uh, that was pretty genius of them. Yeah, and like I said, that's I had that when I bought that first set in like you know 1998 or whatever it was. D- did you make much use of it? Yes, uh, because I also had a uh, sizable 2600 set uh, collection rather, and uh, yeah, I used that a little bit. Um, I remember you know I had little buttons for all the basic what were switches on the 2600, the reset, the black and white, whatever, you know, all those selection things that you used to flip through the game modes and whatnot. So, yeah, it was uh, functionally complete in that way, and I, you could hook up... It had uh, controller ports as well, I believe. You could hook up Atari controllers and, yeah, use it to your heart's content. Um, you know, it was kind of like what Nintendo was planning to do with the Super Famicom originally. Mm-hmm. If you've and seen what, the, what yeah. Sega actually did with the Genesis. Yes, mm-hmm. of course, yes. With the, was it called the Master Base, the Power Base? Power Base Converter. Power Base Converter. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I sort of, uh, I blame Coleco for uh, putting that uh, idea in parents' heads when the Super NES came out. And, you know, the main complaint was like, well, why doesn't it play the NES games? <laughs> so... Uh, not directly, of course. But. I am back from having done some quick yeah, fact-checking. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, What's the story? So uh, ColecoVision version of Donkey Kong came out six months before the Atari 2600 and Intellivision version. Uh, so it was the mm-hmm. first uh, version, the home version of Donkey Kong. Um, the uh, – did not have the console versions in general did not have the cement factory level um a lot of the computer versions that came later mm-hmm. did and i guess they did release uh, an atom version of donkey kong with that with enhanced graphics and that added back in um but i couldn't i couldn't find a picture of it so mm-hmm. maybe it's very rare yeah i went looking for mm-hmm. for these games uh, when i was putting together the notes for this episode and it was kind of hard to find some of that like you'll find articles that just talk about the game and you'll see like Atari graphics, but it doesn't really talk much about ColecoVision. It is kind mm-hmm. of the um, the forgotten child of that era mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of its late release. I mean, like I said, it came out in August. Was that right? Yeah, August 1982, and uh, Time Warner's or uh, you know Warner's um, disastrous uh, financial earnings were like three months later. 
So that's pretty much when the video game collapse yeah. began. Mm-hmm. So the the uh, ColecoVision basically had a Christmas to subsist on the market, and I think it sold like half a million units, uh, you know, in that first first few months, uh, that Christmas period. Yeah. But um, God, that does sound like the Dreamcast. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like the the whole the whole and they powered got... through and and kept selling you know games for a little while. Yeah, they because, did. Yeah. I mean, they you know they wanted to make some money back, and mm-hmm. they kind of survived for quite a while after the collapse, mainly on the strength of Cabbage Patch Kids, mm-hmm. which became a phenomenon the following Christmas. Yep, and basically kept the bot- the company's bottom line yeah. <laughs> going. Right. You know, they kept the company solvent for a couple of and years, they, but they wanted to get into the computer business, right? right? They wanted the ColecoVision to just sort of be the entry into because you know the personal computer business at that point was taking off, and they're like, okay, well, you know, we can do that. That and has so games. You had a lot of games, yeah. you know, 83, 84, 85, et cetera, you know, that were ColecoVision and Adam, you know, as they kept trying to uh, trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. Yeah. Because uh, the Adam so was a terrible, terrible, terrible personal computer. It really was. <laughs> um, the uh, The second expansion module for uh, for ColecoVision was the driving module. Yeah. Which was a, like a steering wheel and a gas pedal mm. that you could play with. And it came packed with a copy of Sega's Turbo. Mm-hmm. So there's a little, you know, one one system came packed with uh, Nintendo's big first party game and the, the second came packed with uh, Sega's big first party game. Yeah. So it was a great, great launching off point for uh, kind of there's a way that Windows CE was a good launching point for Microsoft to get into the console space. Uh, the, the, the Dreamcast, <laughs> the Dreamcast OS. Yes, <clears throat> maybe not. Um, but yeah, expansion module number three was Coleco Atom, and it was it was a doozy. I mean, the Coleco Atom <laughs> was massive. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were, we're we're sitting at a table here that's you know big enough for four people plus a computer plus recording equipment. It the, might not be big enough. Yeah, the yeah. Atom was almost this big. I mean, it was huge. Hmm. So it used the ColecoVision as the core. Like that was the central processor. There were two there were two versions. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. the one the one we had was the expansion module. Oh, we didn't okay. have the the standalone Atom. There was yeah, so there was there was there was a standalone Atom then there was expansion module number 3 which hmm. used the ColecoVision. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So we had expansion module number 3. Got it. So one, you have the very large ColecoVision. It was not a tiny console. Mm. The um, the big the big uh, controllers mm-hmm. actually sat in the console housing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it had to be big and enough for two of those telephone sized controllers, <laughs> as well as you know the backspace with the buttons and the uh, the cartridge module or cartridge slot. Yep. And also, um, you can chainsaw a ColecoVision in half. And it will work yeah. because that, that all of the hardware, is nothing. right? Everything where the where the where the <laughs> controllers sit in, it's just a right. bunch of air. Yeah, it's right. molding. Mm. Yep. Yep. Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Nintendo did kind of the same thing with the Famicom, but much more compactly. Yes. Yes. Um, so, in addition to the, uh, you know, if you did the expansion module thing, in addition to the core CPU in the uh, the ColecoVision, you also had this really huge. Um, for me, it was a tape drive. You could also get a, mm-hmm. a five and a quarter inch uh, diskette expansion module. Could you? Yeah, you, there was a there was a diskette version, huh. but but the most common and the least expensive was the cassette module with the super drive, and that was basically. Um, I don't know why that was so big. I mean, it was it was huge, and it seemed like it was mostly empty space, but it had. You know, tape cassettes on the front, like a, a tape deck, basically, mm. and you would run software off of that. And of course, the loading time was just unbelievably bad. Bad. It made you know, like the Neo Geo CD, look like um, a high speed uh, exercise in convenience. <laughs> but um, 
you know, the, the, the games that ran on Atom were usually enhanced. Not only did they have more memory because they were on the, the cassette medium, I, I think the, uh, the Atom expanded, you know, the capabilities of the system somewhat. But um, in addition to that, there was also uh, a keyboard, which was a very large keyboard. And uh, then, you know, it came with a printer. And there were two versions of that. There was the dot matrix and a daisy wheel. And again, the daisy wheel was cheaper. <laughs> so that's what we had. So anytime we wanted to print something out... You had a daisy um, wheel was, printer for the Atom? Oh, my God, yeah. It was so loud. It would just fill this, the, uh, the house uh. with the sound of, uh, you know, like an automa- automated typewriter for, for ages and ages. I had a painting program that I would use to draw stuff and to print out, you know, just like the 256 by 192 resolution screen, um, whatever image I came up with. It would print onto the daisy wheel, and it would basically use different letters to denote yeah. different black and white values. <laughs> My God! And you know, a single a single screen printout would probably take about fifteen minutes to output. I was say. and it would span across several sheets of paper. It was <laughs> it was amazing, guys. Mm-hmm. And you had Let to turn you. all of it on to turn anything on. Oh, yeah. right, like the yeah. printer had to be on, and everything. Well, you, could, you could use the ColecoVision independently. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, if you wanted to use the Atom, it all had to be on. <laughs> <laughs> I get what they were going for, and you know, it was it was kind of neat that there was this computer that you could use on your television, yeah. And uh, you know, it had a typing tutor, and right. But very things. quickly, it was out outpaced by oh, yeah. you know other personal computers that oh, yeah. were significantly better. Like you know, the Atari home computers just completely spanked it. Mm-hmm. It, it had a similar architecture to um, the Apple II, but with some differences, and I. I talked about this in the the magazines episode where you know they both ran ProDOS on similar hardware, somewhat similar hardware, and so you could program the uh, you could you know you could input Apple II programs on ColecoVision and they would run unless they did anything that was hardware specific because then all the hardware like the low level calls were you know they were totally different and totally inappropriate for the ColecoVision. So anything that was like basic functions, you know, basic basic functions. Um, worked just fine, but anything that was more sophisticated just <laughs> cramped out. Mm. Uh. Have you guys ever used an atom? I'm afraid not. I haven't. No, no. I yeah. I mean, I used one back in the day. Um, I vaguely recall uh, a, a family that we knew having it set up like on their pool table. Because <laughs> <laughs> wow. that was the only you know space yeah. you could put it in. Yeah, and I think I used no, that it a was little the bit. stand. Was like, no, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, the, yeah, I mean, we had a two-level um, you know Hutch-style desk, mm-hmm. and it took mm-hmm. up the whole thing. Yep, and it was it was wow, wow. just yeah. so so inconvenient. But, um, yeah, I've not done much with uh, I'm not done much atoming. I think that um, homebrewers have taken any atom game and probably made a ColecoVision cartridge out of it right. by this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the games were actually really impressive. They mm-hmm. were uh, a sight better than um, you know this just the standard Coleco right. cartridge, which already were really nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and and, we had, and um, yeah, I did find yes, yes, they released Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Junior yeah. on cassette tape. Yeah, for the Adam. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. No, we had um, we had the cassette version of Donkey Kong Junior. Got it. Which I do believe had all four levels. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Zaxxon, which was a really nice version of Zaxxon, and it was great because 
you know, I'd played Zaxxon on the arcade and died every time at the very beginning because I didn't understand the inverted controls. But once I actually had it at home and could play with it, I was like, oh, I get it. It's like you're pressing up and that's actually pushing your nose forward. I get it. Mm-hmm. So I played I played Zaxxon a lot. Um, uh, and then, of course, the pack-in for the Atom was Buck Rogers' Planet of Zoom, which is, is an, another Sega game. Um, and it was a pretty impressive conversion. I mean... Planet of Zoom was basically like a big ripoff of Star Wars Arcade, but with um, sprite-based graphics and scaling as opposed to vector graphics. Sure. And uh, the Coleco, the Coleco Atom version of Planet of Zoom doesn't look nearly as good as the arcade version, but you know it's respectable and mm-hmm. it plays pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was uh, that was good times. But um, there was a complication with Donkey Kong when uh, when. Nintendo discovered the uh, the Atom version of Donkey Kong at a trade show. Chris, is that something you'd want to talk about? Yeah. So, I mean, basically, what happened was um, Coleco had the Atom, uh, and and Nintendo had licensed the console rights to Donkey Kong to uh, to Coleco, but Nintendo had licensed the computer rights uh, to Donkey Kong to Atari, and um, uh, yeah. basically, Coleco. Set up the Atom, which of course had a Coleco Vision cartridge slot on it, and was like, "This is our personal computer." And they, I think, they took an off-the-shelf Donkey Kong cartridge and stuck it in there to show that it was playing Donkey Kong. Um, and Nintendo saw this and completely freaked the hell out because you know it was um, essentially you know Atari. Atari freaked out. Nintendo freaked out. Uh, and the crazy thing about this was that. Um, at the time, Nintendo was about to sign a deal with Atari that gave the Atari the rights to distribute uh, the Famicom in the U.S. Uh, and it was looking like Atari was going to sign that deal, pay Nintendo their money, and then sit on the Famicom forever uh, so that Atari could then, um, you know, bring out uh, the, the Atari 7800 and have the market, you know, kind of cleared for itself. Um, because of this misunderstanding and the freakout over Donkey Kong appearing on a competitor's computer, um, Atari didn't want to work with Nintendo anymore, or at least what happened was it caused enough uh, problems uh, between Atari and Nintendo that the, the deal never got done. And so, uh, so ColecoVision saved video games. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. Uh, what do you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There were there were some pretty good releases on uh, ColecoVision over the years, and Coleco Atom. Um, well, I say over the years, I mean like over the year, basically, <laughs> the year that it existed. Um, but you know, there were there were quite a few arcade ports: Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Junior, obviously, mm-hmm. um, Venture, Exidy's mm-hmm. arcade game, made it to uh, to Coleco. And actually, you know, we we talked about um, last episode. We talked about misplaced nostalgia for things that we never experienced. And I have to say that you know there is a certain amount of that in me for all these Coleco games that I never got to play, but I'd, I'd see them in the catalogs and think, wow, yeah. that looks really interesting. Yep. Adventure was one of those. I mean, that was basically sort of like the arcade version of, you know, Colossal Cave Adventure, like super stripped down and um, with a protagonist named Winky for some reason. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was one I always wanted to, to play yeah. and never had the chance to. Um, Turbo, you know, by Sega. Um, Buck Rogers, uh, they had, you know, access to Activision's games like Pitfall and Pitfall 2. Pitfall 2 was an Atom game only. Um, hmm. but, you know, Pitfall, Hero, River Raid, you know, a lot of, a lot of the big Activision games made their way, not just to Atari 2600, but also to ColecoVision. Um, and not only Zaxxon, but also Super Zaxxon. What the hell is the difference between those two? <laughs> like one of them has a dragon it's and like one of them has a robot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
about it. Okay, well, there you go. Um, anyway, that's really about all yeah. there is to say. I mean, there's, well, there's a thriving homebrew Smurf. scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Smurf. Smurf. Sorry, I totally forgot to mention. Yeah. Uh, Coleco made their own... Yeah, I was going to mention those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coleco made their own, um, you know, internally developed games, and a lot of those were licensed. Uh, there was Smurf. There was BC's Quest for Tires. Yep, yep. And there was a Cabot Well, that was actually a game. Sierra game. Oh, was it? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. I yep. didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. But Smurf yep. was uh, kind of like the proto-platformer in, in some respects, like an early – it, was it wasn't an a early... scrolling platformer, but it, really, yeah, it was right. kind of the flip screen like Pac-Land. It really built on Pitfall, or, you know, on what that was doing. So mm. it really took – it seemed to take its inspiration from Pitfall pretty strongly from what I've seen. So, yeah, it's not like super great, but yeah, it does make its own little advances in that genre. Oh, yeah, like what? Oh, boy. Like um, – <laughs> Now you got me on the spot. Mm. Darn it. It's crap. So one step before Pac-Land, okay. pack yeah. in mm-hmm. other words? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, like Jeremy just said, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you have to learn how to um, kind of do the double jump uh, mechanic to get over things. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the urban legend about Smurf where um, that says that – Smurfette is naked. That there's an Easter egg in which it was deliberately programmed that Smurfette uh, takes her clothes off. If you if you get to the screen where Smurfette is, but instead of going and rescuing her, you turn back in an effort to entice you to rescue her, she takes her clothes off. What actually happens is they're not really counting on you leaving that screen at that point and some sprite data just sort of gets overwritten as you go back and – it blue blue sprite data gets overwritten over Smurfette's white dress, and it looks like she's naked. But it was not a it was not a, a secret Easter egg deliberately placed there with that intention. Is it like Karataka, where if you go up to her and you're not uh, in peaceful mode, right, she'll kill you? Right, it's not like that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, yeah, the the uh, ColecoVision has you know it it does have a fan base, and it has inspired a homebrew scene. And I know. Um, a mutual acquaintance of ours, Chris, uh, Chris Jess Reagan, has done some, uh, <laughs> done some programming for Coleco. I think um, I don't really know exactly what radical innovations have been made in that front. Mm-hmm. Um, the the classic homebrew scene is a little outside my area mm-hmm. of expertise. Well, you but. know what you know what people are doing a whole lot of is um, they are porting SG one thousand mm-hmm. games from the Sega SG one thousand system, porting them to ColecoVision mm-hmm. because the they're yeah. so similar yeah. in their architecture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw um, a uh, conversion of the SG one thousand version of Galgo thirteen. I was oh like, yeah. What? Galgo thirteen on ColecoVision? Oh and uh, Girls Girls Garden, mm-hmm. Yuji Naka's uh-huh. uh, first game. They've done a ColecoVision sort of port of that. Um, somebody has done a ColecoVision Mario Brothers, um, which I think probably must have been done from scratch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a there's a pretty big ColecoVision homebrew scene of people, um, you know, either porting SG1000 and doing original things, putting them on cartridges, and then they become worth you know stupid money because you make like five of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this the system didn't have a long life in the in, in the original incarnation, yeah. but uh, you know, as so many things do, like right. it, because it was a, a really well designed system. Uh, yeah, and made an impression on a lot of people. You know, there is that that sort of legacy and the the fan base that continues to carry on and extend its life. And the NES hardware wise is actually really close yeah. to ColecoVision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, significantly more powerful in some respects. Well, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know. Like, I guess it's kind of off in the weeds. But you know, a big part of Nintendo's uh, the NES's long life had to do with its extensibility through cartridge. Um, yeah, you know, ROM. Mappers and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if like that kind of stuff was possible on 
ColecoVision. I wonder if you know if it had lived longer, would we've seen would we have seen more sophisticated software, like something on the level of you know Mega Man Two or Castlevania Three on on the ColecoVision? I, I think that anytime you have a cartridge based system, it's possible to add uh, either you know put RAM on there or the, you know just speaking in general, I think it's possible to do that mm-hmm. um, to put an addition to the hardware on the board of the cartridge. It's just you know expensive. Right. Yeah. And there's some things that do block you. You know, there's some things you can't do. You can't turn a – you know, you can't just add chips to turn a ColecoVision into a PlayStation. But you can add chips to turn it into an Atari 2600. So, so there's why that. not yeah. a PlayStation? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So um, I don't know. That's, that's pretty much all I have to say about ColecoVision coming from a place of fondness but, um, you know, still sort of alienness. I don't know. You guys have anything to add? Bob? Not really. so quiet. I know. I, I have no point of, you know – I don't know. I just never experienced it. But it was only around for three years, and that was when I was born from until, like, age three. So I was not really a consumer at that point. And I, didn't, I never went back like milk. That's true. I was yeah. a consumer of tiny jars of food. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Primarily. With babies on the front. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, same with me. But, you know, I when I did like, get it later, it's like I did appreciate the fact that it was sort of that half step to, you know, the NES or whatever else you want to uh, equate it to. And, yeah. Like I said before, it's a nice, nice little window into that little bit of history there. And yeah, uh, Donkey Kong was good. <laughs> apparently, another quick little fact to be touched on, according to uh, Wikipedia, um, Atari did try to sue uh, Coleco over the expansion mm-hmm. module. Um, and the court said uh, that because the expansion module simply used off-the-shelf components and, in fact, did not even use a lot of the same components that oh, were nice. in an Atari 2600, um, that it did not mm-hmm. infringe upon Atari's patents. And then uh, Coleco did uh, – I do have one of these. They made the Coleco Gemini, which was just an Atari 26 – a straight-up Atari 2600 mm-hmm. clone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that's mm-hmm. it for ColecoVision episode retro – episode – episode 22 pocket of Retronauts. Uh, I have been your host, Jeremy Parrish. Thank you, Bob, Ray, and Chris mm-hmm. for uh, coming in and, and chatting about this. Um, to everyone listening at home, thanks for listening. Um, be sure to check us out at retronauts.com where you can discuss what we missed. Um, you can check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Twitch TV, the usual things. You can download us uh, via iTunes and leave us cool reviews um, to make our egos bigger. And um, we'll be back next week. In the meantime... Uh, Please enjoy our podcast. Thanks.